Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey friends, thanks for joining a podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called patreon.com slash BP show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show. Patreon.com slash BP show. On your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. Well, it's American Heroes Week, so um, why don't we fire about 5,000 of them from the military? Yep, that's the way Donald Trump celebrates. Hello, everybody. Thursday, July 27. It is The Bill Press Show. Good to see you today. Welcome, welcome. And as always, as happened recently, certainly, we have lots of news to talk about today. There is nothing such as a nothing like nothing such as a slow news day anymore in Washington DC not as long as Donald Trump is in the White House hopefully that won't be much longer good to see you wherever you happen to be in this great land of ours we are there with you every corner of the United States of America every little town and village and big city and uh, on the farmland as well here we're here with you on YouTube youtube.com slash the bill press show Looking at you on Free Speech TV and joining you on the great WCPT out in the greater Chicago area. Hello, 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 and welcome. And remember, you are part of the uh, program. Look forward to hearing from you. Your comments on the news of the day uh, at BP Show. Uh, The big stories, of course, Donald Trump. Just about this time yesterday morning, uh, surprising everybody uh, with his tweet that transgender Americans no longer welcome uh, in the military in any capacity whatsoever. Uh, Republicans failing yet again yesterday to get a health care bill out of uh, the Senate and Republican senators who are uh, circling their wagons around Jeff Sessions and telling Donald Trump, you better leave poor Jeff B. Jebby alone. Jefferson <laughs> Beauregard Sessions. He's our buddy, and we don't like the fact that you are picking on him. Uh, and uh, there are even uh, reportedly uh, some senators who have suggested to Melania uh, that they should that she should step up her campaign against cyberbullying <laughs> uh, because uh, it doesn't seem to be <laughs> doesn't seem to be working. Yes, indeed. Here we go. Where do we start? No, we've got to start with the whole transgender tweet yesterday uh, on the part of uh, Donald Trump. Now, remember, uh, this is, it was, okay, just 13 months ago, a little more than a year ago, um, when President Obama, uh, by the way, with a process that should work, executive order directing the military to begin the process 
of adopting a new policy in regard to transgender Americans, the policy, the intent, or the goal of the policy, uh, to certainly make it possible for them to serve openly and to get all the um, respect and medical care uh, that they needed. It was Secretary of Defense Ash Carter who uh, made that official on June 30, 2016. Effective immediately, transgender Americans may serve openly, and they can no longer be discharged or otherwise separated from the military just for being transgender. Uh, and uh, the secretary said at the time uh, why this move was important. The Defense Department and the military need to avail ourselves of all talent possible in order to remain what we are now, the finest fighting force the world has ever known. Uh, that was a year ago yesterday. Donald Trump's tweet said, from now on, um, again, transgender not uh, welcome in the military. Why? He says, quote, because the military, quote, cannot be burdened with the tremendous medical costs and disruption that transgender in the military would entail. Note the key word, disruption. Sound familiar? It should, because it's the same word, the very same argument that was used against blacks in the military. Oh, that would be so disruptive. Against, it wasn't that, so, that long ago, women in the military or women in combat, remember? Oh, that would be, oh, God, that would be so disruptive. It wasn't that long ago it was used against gays and lesbians in the military. This is 1992, Bill Clinton, 1993, the first year of his presidency. And, and throughout his presidency, with the whole don't ask, don't tell nonsense, that we couldn't have that because gays and lesbians would be so disruptive. Well, significantly, very significantly, July 26, yesterday, the day that Donald Trump issued his order on transgenders not serving in the military, 39 years, no more than that, 69, I guess. It was 1948. Help me with my math. Um, nice. 69 years earlier, on that very day, Harry Truman issued an executive order saying there'll be no more segregation in the military. African-Americans can serve openly. So Donald Trump celebrated that great anniversary by reintroducing discrimination into the military on July 26, uh, 2017. And as I say, this argument about disruptive has been used before. It was used against African-Americans. It was used uh, against women. Uh, remember, the argument was, uh, there are two arguments against women that why they would be so disruptive. Number one, they'd be a dis distraction to men. Men couldn't do their job if they were always, uh, you know, oogling or whatever, the women next to them. Right? I remember that fight. I remember no, that, was that was the a... big argument. Men cannot, we, we have yeah. to think about military readiness. Well, right. And it's such a distraction to have women out there in these outfits with men trying to do their job. Yeah. Uh, and there was another argument against women, uh, uh, Newt Gingrich famously saying, right, um, that they certain could wouldn't be allowed in combat because uh, Newt said at the time, quote, 
females have biological problems staying in a ditch for 30 days because they get infections. Yeah. Well, uh, Bill Clinton took care of that argument. But the problem is then Bill Clinton fell into the trap of saying, well, we can't have gays, though, because they would be a distraction, too. They would be disruptive. It's just it's interesting to me how many times we've been down the same old BS path, which was just simply being used as an excuse to discriminate against Americans because of the color of their skin or their sex or their sexual orientation. And the, it was the same thing with gays. It was a general who testified on Congress that having gays in the military would introduce a sexual, the, it, would, it, would, it would amount to the introduction of sexual attraction and because men in combat would be distracted by having a gay alongside of them, it could lead to combat deaths. Yeah, they'd be so horny to have sex with a guy alongside of them in the middle of battle. Bullets flying over Bullets them. flying, right. And all they would be thinking about was jumping in bed with a guy alongside of them. That could lead to combat deaths. People believe that crap. And people voted accordingly on that crap. They did. Yeah. Well, Barack Obama took care of that. And then Barack Obama opened the door, put out the welcome out for, homose- for uh, transgender Americans, uh, which Donald Trump uh, pulled out from under them yesterday. Now, it's important also to realize, first of all, no matter how you look at this, it is wrong, wrong, wrong. It is ugly. It is hate. It is discriminatory. It's un-American. It's, I think it's unconstitutional. It's wrong from every level. Uh, let's just start, like, with the numbers. Before the briefing yesterday, uh, some of the reporters in the White House were talking about, boy, we know why we had to have this policy, because the, the transgenders are just overrunning the military. You know, we got to do something before we have nothing but a transgender army or a whole transgender navy. Uh, in fact, uh, the numbers are, by the way, back in 1948, there were 62,000 blacks serving in uniform. They were just in segregated units. And that was about one-tenth of the U.S. military at the time. Today, how many transgenders? Uh, there's no real solid number but it's estimated by the Pentagon as between 1,000 and 7,000 transgender men and women. You do the math, out of 1.3 million men and women in the military. Uh, so we're, we're talking a 1%, maybe, yeah. right? It's, I, th- I think I read something, and I might butcher this, but the amount Donald Trump mentions the amount of money that's being spent. Oh, I'm going to get to that. Yeah, okay. go ahead, go ahead. It's, your it's like... Point one three percent less than uh, uh, the, the, yeah. the of like a budget that we spend in the military. Point one yeah. three, oh, so like a okay. tenth of one percentage point of what we deal with with right. the military, and yeah. that's too much money. Now, yeah, take a look at the costs. I mean, so this whole started, and we'll get to that in a minute. But that because some Republican members of Congress said we can't have our tax dollars going. To, to, to pay for, for uh, transge- to, uh, care for trans- medical care for transgenders and particularly surgeries. In fact, this one member of Congress is an idiot from uh, Miss Missouri, Vicki Hasler. Uh, she's a Hartzler. Hartzler. I'm sorry, Hartzler, right. Um, she, she said, first of all, she praised what Donald Trump said, yes, did no, yesterday. It's, no, I think it's very consistent with his campaign promises of making sure that mm-hmm. we rebuild our military. Uh, to meet the threats facing us in this world. And that is certainly uh, what he showed today, that he is going to prioritize that spending and make sure it goes to addressing the threats. 
Oh, yes, yes, right. Uh -huh. This is consistent with what he said. How about consistent with what he said about being more supportive of the LGBTQ community even than Hillary Clinton? That's yeah. what Donald Trump promised. It's part of his campaign. Stabbed him in the back yesterday. Here is uh, Vicki Hartzler again. We can't, we just can't afford to pay for these, all these surgeries. The bottom line is, do we need to spend any of our precious tax dollars on these surgeries when we have uh, soldiers that are having trouble getting body armor and bullets and we need more planes and we have engines falling out of them right now? Oh, well, ma'am, maybe you ought to do a little homework before you spout off your mouth on MSNBC as you did yesterday because, in fact, the Rand Corporation, at the request of the Pentagon last year, did a whole study for this as part of carrying out President Obama's executive order uh, the Rand Corporation said that if, if, which is a big if, everybody who's now transgender wanted to have a reconstructive surgery or whatever, it would, the cost would be between $2.4 and $8.4 million. The entire military medical budget, health care budget for the military, and this is before Donald Trump adds another $50 billion to the military, but right now, the healthcare budget total for the Pentagon is $49.3 billion. So the 2.4 or 2.8 or 2.4 or 8.4 million dollars amounts to 0.004% of the military budget. That's assuming again that all however many there are went through this reconstructive surgery, transgender surgery. So the the cost thing and this, this again, gets to the, the question of Donald Trump is not just saying they cannot serve in combat. He is saying they cannot serve in any capacity whatsoever. I mean, in the military, not everybody's on the front lines, right? Right. There are chefs. Yeah. There are clerks. There are intelligence officers. There are people back here at home. It takes a lot of paperwork to go to war. All the support, all the support personnel. I'm sure, I don't know what the percentage is, they're vastly more non-combat than combat. Yeah, right? I, would, I would guess that. The people, the engineers and the mechanics who take care of the planes, right? Who take care of the ships, so all, of, all of that, all of those jobs. He is saying that in no capacity whatsoever, not even a truck driver could a transgender person serve which goes way, way beyond. And so it's come out that what really happened and what prompted this tweet was that these Republicans like Vicki Hartzler on the Hill were threatening to vote against the defense appropriations bill unless they had an amendment, an amendment that would ban payment for transgender surgery among military members. They put that amendment, this is, this, this, you gotta know this, this is how warped Donald Trump is and how uninformed he is. So they put this amendment in front of the House of Representatives. Every Democrat voted against it and so did something like 24 Republicans vote against it. It lost in the House of Representatives. And so then they went to the White House and said, Mr. President, you have to pick this up as an issue and you have to say we're not going to um, pay for any of these surgeries or we'll vote against your bill. And guess what? What was in that bill that Donald Trump wants? 
money for the wall. The first down payment for building the wall to do all the design is in that defense appropriations bill. So to save the wall, Donald Trump caves into the Freedom Caucus and these extremist so-called Christians in Congress. And instead of just saying we're not going to pay for these surgeries, he says we're going to throw all transgenders out of the military whatsoever, which is far beyond even where they wanted to go, and they said that. They said that yesterday. And Donald Trump does it, and he does it, by the way, by tweet, which raises another point. A tweet doesn't have any power whatsoever. So people are asking, what what does he think? You know, that I tweet, therefore I am. Things happen, yeah. I tweet, right, he therefore. That's how, got, how to govern. Right. You have to. You can't, you cannot, <laughs> you cannot make the government work by tweet. There's no, nothing in the Constitution or in the laws that say any tweet has any power whatsoever. I'm not saying it's meaningless what he did. I'm saying is it doesn't have any immediate impact because it's not an executive order. By executive order, the president can put certain things in motion. Yeah. By executive order, the president can say the Pentagon has to start the wheels of an invest or a a process, you know, to adopt a new policy. They can do that by executive order, and Congress can do it by law, but nobody can do it by tweet. It's just so it's on on every level whatsoever. It just shows how totally incompetent and ignorant Donald Trump is. Here's a really telling quote that I think wraps up this whole thing uh, pretty well from uh, Jonathan Swan, our friend from Axios. Yes. He got a quote from a senior Trump administration official that says, quote, this for the idea, the, the, the new policy on transgender military. This forces Democrats in Rust Belt states like Ohio, Michigan, and Wisconsin to take complete ownership of this issue. How will blue-collar voters in these states respond when senators up for re-election in 2018, like Debbie Stabenow, are forced to make their opposition to this a key plank of their campaigns? End quote. Yeah. So another playing they're politics. trying to start a culture war. Culture playing politics with the military. Yeah, with yeah, people exactly. with with actual people. Like they, they're trying to start some sort of a war. Which, by the way, the idea that only blue that that a blue collar voters are bigots. Yeah. Right. Or b that this is a partisan issue. I mean, there have been Republicans, John McCain, Joni er, Joni er, Joe D. Ernst, both came out and said this is a bad idea. Look, if you want to serve in the military. God bless you. We yeah, that is something uh, that should be celebrated and and rallied around, not to try and push more people out. So like even Republicans get how stupid this is, right? Yeah. So if they think that they can turn this into some sort of a wedge issue or a bring culture it on, war, fine. Bring it on, fine. Yeah, that's a winnable. As war. you mentioned, Republicans and Democrats condemning it yesterday. Uh, one who speaks to this, who speaks on the, pardon me, on this issue with more credibility than anybody else. Senator Tammy Duckworth from Illinois, who left two limbs behind and and a third badly wounded on the battlefield when her helicopter crashed, uh, saying yesterday how sickening this whole thing was. At a time when less than one half of one percent of our nation serves in uniform, we can't afford to lose a single patriot who's willing to wear that uniform. And, and to have a president who never served but instead got, what, four or five deferments to avoid service in Vietnam, be a guy to question someone else's patriotism because of their gender identity is sickening. Sean Patrick Maloney, congressman from New York, another, uh, another veteran uh, yesterday saying this is nothing but just Donald Trump filled with hate. Love is going to win. 
and love is love, and hate is hate is hate is hate is hate is hate is hate, and no right to believe anything can be derived from it. Uh, Tammy Duckworth also saying yesterday when her helicopter crashed and, uh, and, uh, and people ran uh, to rescue her, she didn't ask them, oh, wait, 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 right. none of you are transgender, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, no, she just knew they were patriotic Americans coming to help a fallen, uh, fallen colleague. Uh, it, but so I was at the briefing yesterday and it was, it was pathetic to see Sarah Huckabee Sanders try to defend this policy. Uh, number one, she knew nothing about it. She could not explain it. She could not defend it. And she had no answer whatsoever, no answer whatsoever on what would happen to the anywhere from, again, 2,000 to 7,000 men and women who are serving today with valor, with dignity, with pride in the United States military. She insisted over and over again, this was just a decision, this strictly not political, not cultural, not social, strictly military. The decision is, is based on a military decision. It's not meant to be anything more than that. Yeah, military readiness is what it amounts to. We have to be, yeah, we have to be strong. He's also voiced that this is a very expensive and disruptive policy. Disruptive. And based okay. on consultation that he's had with his national security team, uh, came to the conclusion that it erodes military readiness and unit cohesion and uh, made the decision based on that. Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, she's <laughs> lying through her teeth. With the Pentagon yesterday, uh, it, it, they said very clearly, they didn't ask for this. The Pentagon didn't. If we, we t- I told you earlier where it came from. It came from these right-wing members of Congress. The Pentagon didn't know about it ahead of time. It came as a total surprise to the Republicans in Congress, to the White House staffers, and to the Secretary of Defense, General Mattis, who was on vacation and didn't know about it. They found out about it after uh, the president tweeted it got so there were so many questions about this yesterday that poor Sarah Huckabee Sanders threatened to just go home. Guys, I really don't have anything else to add on that topic. As I do, I'll keep you posted. But if if those are the only questions we have, uh, I'm going to call it a day. But if we have questions on other topics, I'll be happy to take. That's not how this works. No, she threatened to turn around and walk away. It was disgusting. So, uh, by the way, just one final point on this. Um, about military readiness, yeah. There are 18 countries today that allow transgenders to serve right alongside, I mean, just to serve in the military in full capacity, in any capacity whatsoever. Uh, They include the UK. They include Australia. They include Israel. Um, Last time I checked, I didn't think anybody was accusing the Israeli military of being weak or soft Uh, or whatever. No. And, and so why is it that they don't, it's not a problem for them and it is a problem for us? It, again, it just shows how totally ignorant and hateful Donald Trump is. By the way, we put out a uh, tweet just a few minutes ago. We want to know if you have any empowering messages for transgender individuals that are currently serving in the military. Uh, we've already seen a couple of tweets come in. Perhaps later on in the show we'll read them. and uh, uh, We can do that. We'll have a chance. Know we're and, you know, my advice would be continue to do your job and ignore this nut job in the White House. <laughs> um, on the health care front, uh, quickly, by the way, great lineup again today. Congressman David Cicilline from uh, Rhode Island uh, will be joining us. I uh, spoke out right away yesterday on this uh, transgender tweet by Donald Trump. Uh, Congressman Raul Ruiz from California. 
in as well. Two great Democratic progressives in the House. Uh, and then Jen Bendery uh, f- covers the Congress for Huffington Post. We'll be along a little bit later in the hour. She was one of those who that uh, was told, you can't take any pictures of any protesters against the health care uh, who are protesting the vote on the health care bill. And she'll tell us uh, all about it on that health care front. Remember now, the Republicans did, because of Mike Pence, uh, get enough votes to proceed to open a debate, even they they had no idea what the hell they were going to be debating or voting on. Uh, the first thing that came up was the vote to repeal and replace. Uh, that went down, 43 votes for, 57 against. It was the day before yesterday. So yesterday they came up with a... Um, a measure to just repeal. Now, remember, the repeal and replace would have knocked 23 million Americans off of health care. Uh, the vote to repeal only, according to the Congressional Budget Office, would have taken 32 million Americans um, off of uh, health care over the next decade. That lost yesterday, too, from 40, uh, a vote of 45 for and 55 against. Now they really don't know where they're going next, but they're talking about maybe we'll do a skinny bill, just a skinny repeal, which will only repeal certain little parts of Obamacare and call it a day. Uh, According to the CBO, that would cause 16 million Americans to lose their health care. So the range of options that senators are being asked to vote for, okay, you can either, right, take health care away from 32 million or 23 million or 16 million. There's one theme there, isn't there? That millions of Americans are going to be hurt, their families hurt and deprived of the medical care they need when they need it because Republicans have made this their priority. They can't keep running from this. They can't keep running from this. Like they they, they keep getting they they keep finding ways to make it slightly more palatable to their constituents. The truth is they don't know they what don't know the what hell. They, they, they don't no know idea. what the hell they're doing. Yeah. Democrats know what they're doing. They came out with a better deal for America today. Congressman David Cicilline was one of those who put that forth a couple of days ago out in Berryville, Virginia. He joins us next here with all of you on the Bill Press Show. Let me tell you, somebody needs to go over there to that Senate and snatch a knot in their ass. Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. video bill's commentary the best clips from the show all in one place youtube.com slash the bill press show all right what do you say on a thursday july 27 hey folks great to see you today thanks so much for joining us the bill press show live from washington dc our nation's capital and our studio on capitol hill brought to you today by the united Steelworkers and their international president the one and only leo gerard a great fighter for working families in america uh, heading up the United Steelworkers, North America's largest industrial union, representing over 1.2 million active and retired members. Uh, check out their website, usw.org. Uh, I saw him on the video, wasn't out there in Berryville, Virginia, a couple of days ago, leading the Democrats uh, in unveiling the new Better Deal for America 
Uh, and a very outspoken yesterday in response to Donald Trump's morning tweet saying that transgender Americans have no place in the American military. He's a Congressman David Cicilline from Rhode Island. Congressman, good to see you. Great to see you. Thanks for so having me. So it was 69 years ago on July 26, 1948, that Harry Truman said we're going to end discrimination in the military. 69 years later, Donald Trump said, no, we're going to bring it back. Yeah. Pretty it was sad a day, wasn't very it? Very sad day. I thought the president's tweet was really disgraceful. I mean, we have thousands of men and women who are trans serving in the military risking their lives to protect our freedoms around the world, uh, who are serving honorably and with distinction. Uh, and the idea that the president in a tweet uh, would dismiss their service, and particularly when a White House official quickly acknowledged that this was done for a political reason, to try to uh, you know, give some sort of political advantage in the Rust Belt. And as I said in my statement, these brave American heroes deserve better from their commander-in-chief than to be used as a political prop. It was disgraceful and uh, I think a miscalculation we heard from people all across the political spectrum who condemned this decision, who recognized that we owe it to the American people to have the best military in the world. That means the best people, the best talent, and excluding and discriminating against a whole group of people diminishes our country, diminishes the quality of our military, and is shameful. It wasn't that long ago that Republicans uh, using um, the uh, marriage <clears throat> equality, same-sex marriage, as a political tool, put all these measures on the ballot again to figure that's going to help them in the heartland of the Rust Belt. Boy, that's really turned around pretty quickly yeah. right, on that issue. So this one could backfire as well. Yeah, and somehow this administration seems to think if they can just focus their discriminatory uh, behavior toward the transgender community – that somehow it's going to be different, and uh, they're wrong because uh, we all recognize uh, that an attack against one of us is an attack against all of us, and there was broad support from people all across this country who said, you know, discrimination is wrong. This is this undermines a founding value, founding principle of our country uh, upon which America was founded, and uh, people know it's just it's not right, and uh, I think it's sort of really unfair to the community. And I know there's a lot of anxiety in the transgender community. Mm -hmm. It's a community that has had tremendous violence uh, visited upon them. It's a community that has suffered enormous discrimination. And so the president, I think, thinks like somehow this is a way to rile up his base, win political points at their expense, but we're just not going to let it happen. We've come, just, I mean, we've come so far on the LGBT thing, right? It's not the wedge issue that it used to be. It really isn't. I mean, you you saw bipartisan support. There's still a lot of people who were going to have a hard time getting on board, right? But, I mean, that war has essentially been won. I agree. So this idea that this is going to turn Democrats into, or, or, or turn blue-collar voters against Democrats, I, I think it's just a, a political miscalculation if we're just getting right down to the meat. And as you is. mentioned earlier, Bill, like really insulting to uh, working yes. people. Yes. Like, to yeah. assume that all people who are right. hardworking blue collar, you know, are going to somehow be bigots yeah. or prejudiced. Yeah. Yeah. It's just terrible. But uh, there's just a side note here, which um, several people have raised. Can you govern by tweet? Right. I mean, does a tweet have a power of anything, right. of an executive order or a law? I mean, can Donald Trump really change the Pentagon policy just by tweeting? Right. Well, that's the thing. I mean, what's maybe as equally shocking about this 
change, apparent change in policy is sort of the lack of preparation for it. It isn't like there was a consultation oh, no. with the Secretary of Defense, and then there was an executive order that was written, and then there was a set of practical kind of po- policy implications that were articulated. This or, is like God a, forbid, a hearing in Congress. Right, or God forbid. <laughs> this is a guy just like tweets and things like it's magically going to make yeah, changes. Yeah. You know, when they were asked, the Defense Department was asked, well, what about the men and women who are serving today in Afghanistan, Iraq, all over the world who are transgender? What, what, about, what happens to them? Uh, I think their response was contact the White House. Yeah, I, and I was at the White House briefing yesterday, and Sarah Sanders says we don't have a clue. Right. I mean, it's just, that's not a way to make or implement policy. No, even she bad said policy. She said, "Well, now we'll have to figure that out." Well, and again, if you're serving in Iraq or Afghanistan today, and you happen to be trans, what do you? Right. That's what, what I suppo- think of. Like, what think are you supposed of to do? A trans person who is in a dangerous place around the world, away from his or her family, serving our country, risking their lives. And they, you know, take a, you know, get a moment's break and they see the president's tweet, their commander in chief. And just think of kind of how they must have felt and what that does to our to the morale of our troops. Right. And just as one further insult, of course, this is American Heroes Week. That's what the White House said. We're celebrating American heroes. And the way we celebrate at the White House is we fire 7000 of them or or whatever from the military. Right. Um, so, Congressman, I want to give you a choice today. Um, it's up to you. You can whichever one you want to go for. Uh, would you want to vote for depriving uh, 16 million Americans, or 23 million Americans, or 32 million Americans of health care? Yeah, none of the above. Okay, I mean, no, it's it's but... sh- it's shocking. It's shocking. This this <clears throat> most recent version will. According to the Congressional Budget Office, it means 16 million Americans will this lose their This is the so-called skinny. skinny right. Repeat. They'll only lose—16 yeah. million people will lose their health insurance. Premiums will go up 20 percent. So, it, you know, it's it's just shocking to me that the Republicans are, are working so hard to deprive millions and millions of Americans of health insurance. I mean, if we could get them to work this hard to rebuild our crumbling infrastructure, to— make college and technical and career schools more affordable uh, to deal with uh, our energy policy. I mean, I've never seen them work this hard. And it's just like you wonder who gets up every morning and says, let me figure out how we yeah. can successfully deprive millions of Americans from their health care. It's just it's it's awful. And uh, they're working hard on it. I'm you know, we're going to have to continue to fight. I mean, I want to just say that the outside groups and the advocates who have been here in Washington, calling, writing, showing up, have make, are making a real difference, and we just have to keep keep doing it. Uh, it shouldn't be this hard. People shouldn't have to work this hard for their government to not hurt them, but uh, it's making a real difference. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, all the groups together, we've had several of them in, MoveOn.org, Progressive Change Campaign Committee. I mean, they've all been uh, organizing people, you know, and, and the protests on the Hill, yeah. in the Senate, in the Senate chambers. Right. And the calls, you know, offices have been just overwhelmed with calls. And, and it has made – it certainly has it, – it's killed it twice, but then they back, came back. But it certainly slowed the process down. Yeah. And I think it's made more and more people aware of exactly what's going on. If you look at the public opinion polls around the country, the American people don't want this no, repeal bill. No, I, that, the most recent poll had the Republican plan – you know, it's 16 or 17 percent approval. <laughs> yeah. My guess is that 16 and 17 percent may not actually know all the provisions in the bill, that it makes deep cuts in Medicaid, you, uh, know, that. you know, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I do think it's making a difference. You know, as, as has been often quoted by the Democratic leader, 
Uh, President Lincoln said public sentiment is everything. You know, with it, there's not much you can't do. Without it, there's virtually nothing you can do. And I think so long as public sentiment continues to be so strongly opposed to this, we have a very good chance of defeating it. But it's going to require us all to stay very engaged in this. So if they do get even something like a skinny bill, then it goes to conference. And would you agree that no matter what comes out of that conference, President Trump will sign it? Absolutely. I think President Trump has no idea, frankly, what in what is in any of these versions. I think he's sort of dealing with a campaign commitment and a sense of wanting to win this one, even though it's a loss for the American people. It's sad that they view it as a win for the Republicans. I think he, he just wants to have a victory. It doesn't matter what's in it. And, you know, even though he made commitments not to cut Social Security or Medicare or Medicaid, uh, these proposals do. Um, but he doesn't he, he I think he will absolutely sign whatever comes out of a conference if, in fact, there's a conference report. It was uh, just a couple of weeks ago um, in the largest city in your state in Providence that the nation's governors gathered together. Medicaid was really uh, front and center in that in that discussion uh, on Republican and Democratic. Absolutely. Governors both saying. Uh, not all of them, but many of them. Yes, I, and you know the, the majority saying absolutely. no. The Medicaid is essential. And I, I imagine I don't know what the population is in Rhode Island on Medicaid, but well, it's it's essential, and we have as a result of the Medicaid expansion, we have the lowest rate of uninsured people that, uh, that anyone can remember, about four percent. So, like ninety-five mm. and some mm-hmm. percent of Rhode Islanders have. Uh, health insurance, which is the highest it's ever been, which is great. And so I think, you know, the Trump administration heard from both Democratic and Republican governors who have seen firsthand the difference it makes in the lives of the people they represent to have access to quality, affordable health care. And I, I know some members of the Trump administration were there trying to lobby some of the Republican governors unsuccessfully because yeah. you know, they, oh, they're yeah. responsible. They go home. They they hear from their constituents directly about what a difference you know, for those of us who have been lucky enough to have health insurance our whole lives, like a lot of folks don't realize what it's like to have Mm-mm. a sick child and be terrified that if they get sicker, you know, you have to you have no health insurance. Your family will be devastated financially or your child may not get the care they need. I mean, these are realities for millions of Americans and governors, I think, see that and they've seen the benefit of ensuring that more and more of their constituents have health care and they don't want to be responsible for supporting a plan that's going to deprive their own you know, residents of their own state of health care. Congressman David Cicilline from Rhode Island here with us, the first congressional district, one of two in uh, in the great state of Rhode Island. So, Congressman, uh, sort of a segue to the better deal, because whatever comes out of this, Republicans are going to own health care. They're going to own the issue. And we're coming into 2018 um, uh, in terms of political reality, I would think that will become a political liability from them. Uh, and you've been working with uh, the Democrat, uh, your fellow Democrats in Congress to make sure that Democrats have a positive message to offset whatever the Republicans are Yeah, doing. I mean, we've spent a lot of time, obviously, responding to the erratic behavior of this president and this administration and holding them accountable in every way that we can and obviously fighting hard to protect and improve access to health care. But we also wanted to be sure that we had developed a really strong economic agenda that um, really spoke to the economic anxiety of working people in this country and really focuses on very s- simple but important ideas of first, you know, creating better jobs that have better wages that produce a better future for American families and really focused on kind of three key areas. One is raising people's incomes so that, you know, we, we know that 
a lot of virtually all of the growth and uh, wealth has gone to the people at the very top and people in uh, in the middle class and, and, and working folks have not seen an increase in their incomes no. for decades. And so right. even though there are Stagnant huge, at best. huge right. increases in productivity, but it's all gone to <laughs> sort of the investor class and people at the top. So raising people's incomes is the first priority. Second priority is reducing the costs in people's lives, you know, whether it's childcare or whether it's education or whether it's healthcare, just helping families reduce costs of the things that they experience every day. So raising incomes, reducing costs. And then the third bucket is really how do we increase uh, and improve the skills that folks have for the jobs of the 21st century. There's a lot of anxiety out there for folks who are looking for work and can't find it, or for even people who have a job that might be working two or three jobs or have some anxiety about, I know I have a job now, but like, am I going to have a job 10 years from now? Do I have what, you know, the skills that are necessary in this rapidly changing economy? So uh, we launched this with a real commitment to uh, put forth very specific proposals over the next several months uh, to support this agenda because, you know, people don't want, look, we know that the system is rigged. And people feel like it's totally stacked against them. And they're right. They're working as hard as they've ever worked. They're working two or three jobs. And they still can't get ahead. And that's not just a coincidence. It's because the system is rigged against them. So we also have to commit to fixing the system mm-hmm. and unrigging it. Uh, but we, when we announced this uh, Democratic agenda, we included some very specific examples. One on the reducing the cost of prescription drugs, which is a big priority for families, a, a, a cost driver. Uh, by allowing uh, the uh, Medicare to negotiate discounted prices, by creating an, a bond of Udsman to really prevent gouging and to be bring greater transparency to the to the pharmaceutical industry, uh, we also included. I mean, on that, just yeah. on, on that point, when you look at the cost of drugs, and you can go online and do this, right? I mean, from the UK or Canada or wherever, it's just startling the difference between what people pay for that same drug in the United States and I don't know whether it's legal or illegal if you buy it from Canada. Right. And we have virtually... And again, not being able to negotiate right. with them, even though we're by far the largest purchaser Absolutely. of prescription drugs, the U.S. government, That's correct? Right. And the prediction is that that allowing the government to negotiate discount prices, just the way you know your listeners when you go to Sam's Club, you get a discount when you buy in bulk. It's a very simple concept. And we would save tens of billion, not million, billions of dollars. Have to. And yes. that would be passed on to the consumer. And there's only one reason that didn't happen. The power of big pharma in Washington. It's, it was written into the law. And this is an example of where people understand the system is stacked against them. This is totally rigged, which is why we also have to get dark money and we have to reform our campaign finance system so we remove the influence of money in our political system. But that's just one example of... We can fix this. You know, we can yep. respond to this issue. We also made a commitment to create 10 million good-paying full-time jobs, uh, in part by rebuilding the crumbling infrastructure of our country, doubling the investments in apprenticeships and career paths. We know uh, the successful models where apprenticeships have really led to good-paying jobs. Uh, you know, the president spoke about that, but the president's budget zeroes out federal investment in apprenticeship. So, you know, when people say, well, aren't some of these ideas something that President Trump said? The difference is we're actually going to do them. Uh, And uh, so, you know, making sure we invest in job training and apprenticeships so that we can create good paying jobs. And then the third area we spoke about is, if I can interrupt you again, is anything happening on infrastructure? I mean, this was the one area where 
Donald Trump talked about it. Bernie Sanders talked about a trillion dollar infrastructure. And God knows we need it. And again, the jobs that would create, plus the safety that would provide in terms of safer roads and bridges and water plants and everything. What's going on? In my on? view, you know, especially as a former mayor, I think this is yeah. a national disgrace. You know, we once had the the infrastructure, roads, bridges, ports, the airports that were the envy of the world. And it's just not the case anymore. No. And we have not invested in infrastructure in the way we should. It's not only a way to put people to work right away. And it's not just the people doing the construction, which is important. It's the engineers. It's the city planners. It's the cement manufacturers. I mean, there's a lot of related sure. uh, industries. But it's also, as you point out, it's a public safety issue. If we don't, you know, we have a, had a bridge collapse, we're going to have more things like that. Because this infrastructure doesn't repair itself. And the longer we wait, the more expensive it becomes. Look at this tunnel into yeah. New York, into Penn Station. Right. I mean, it's just, and, um, you know, if we're going to really rebuild the economy of this country, we've got to be able to move goods and services and information to compete in a global economy. And we, you know, you look at what our competitors are doing, they are literally racing by us, um, literally and figuratively investing in, you know, massively in infrastructure to compete. And so, you know, you would think this would be something the president and uh, would would make a priority, but I think he, you know, my assessment of it, he was so obsessed with undoing the Obama legacy that he went to the yeah. things of healthcare, climate Cuba, change. and climate change yeah. because they were so closely identified with President Obama, rather than thinking about what do we do to actually get the economy working, get folks back to work, create good-paying jobs. And you know, if you're motivated by that rather than what's good for the American people, it's it's not helpful. Right. So I interrupted you. Prescription drugs, uh, infrastructure, and, and and then the last one is you know it really focuses on what do we do about this growing kind of concentration of economic power in the country and mm, kind of the yeah. mega mergers, the income and, inequality, and the which, income inequality. You know we have an economy which is working great for the investor class. It's working great for the CEO class, but not so great for workers. And so I think what we want to do is be much more aggressive in figuring out. What are the impact of these mergers on workers, on wages, on uh, prices? Um, what, are they, what effect are they on small businesses? But we've got to deal with this growing concentration of economic power, this sort of creeping monopolization. And I think, you know, we want businesses to be successful because we know businesses create jobs, but we want it to work in a way that, that also benefits workers and that doesn't add to and begins to reduce this very significant income inequality in our country. Right. So is this a message, uh, uh, an agenda? Not a message, yeah, agenda. No, okay, an agenda, okay, that Democrats are going to be carrying forward? And yes. Is, is, so is, what is we there want, a united front here? There is. You know, we worked uh, with our caucus, Sherry Bustos from Illinois, Hakeem Jeffries great, from New great, York, great, yeah. great colleagues, and I worked on this with about 180 members of the Democratic caucus in mm. the House who contributed to this over the last several months. We worked with the Senate, Senator Schumer and our Senate colleagues who did the same process there, and then we took our products and integrated them. Our announcement was everyone from Senator Warner to Senator Warren, so <laughs> the really kind of broad in the Senate, yeah. and everyone from you know the Blue Dogs, New Dems, Progressives, CBC, you know, all of the caucuses were represented in this work. And so, this is a core economic agenda that is something that Democrats all across this country are going to talk about and say, this is our agenda for, for America. This came from our constituents. Our members went home. They heard from their constituents. They listened to them. They shared that and, and contributed to this process. So this is really, you know, kind of reporting back an agenda that came from the American people that's about focusing on hardworking American families, raising their incomes, creating better jobs, 
better wages so they have a better future and you know they have a better deal from their from their the government you know they're getting a raw deal from this president we provide a better deal that really focuses on the, the health and well-being of the American family. That's and the message. That's the message. That's the message. And we got to get that down. out there. Yeah. It's One, uh, so Congressman Mark Pocan, your uh, colleague from Wisconsin, was in, in yesterday, uh, and he was pointing out that, and he's vice chair of the Progressive Caucus, uh, that what, was, he, what really struck him about this better deal was, as you just pointed out, every caucus, right, from the Blue Dogs to the New Deal or the, I think... The new Dems. New Dems, right, to the New Dems, to the CBC, to the Progressive Caucus. Every, everybody was lined up behind this because right. it's, it's a mess that resonates with everyone. Right. You can, can disagree maybe on some implementation or some other policies, but this basic core economic agenda. Absolutely. And what, what you know, it's not only that broad spectrum within our caucuses, but it's also, you know, House and Senate. So it reflects, you know, people are going to go back in their districts uh, over the August work period and really, you know, share this agenda with their constituents, make sure we got it right, then come back and, and give us feedback and so we can refine it as necessary. But, you know, okay. w- Democrats are not great at repeating about repetition. You know, you ask Democrats, what do you stand for? We give you the 25 yeah. or 200 bills we're for. <laughs> and we're trying to sort of stay focused on this core economic agenda so that we can really penetrate and make sure people understand the agenda and know it will help their families. And if they yeah. give us the responsibilities of leadership again, we'll get What the you book. just said should not be just glossed over. That is so, so important. I mean, Democrats really feel like they've got to go through this long and sometimes tortured yeah. explanation about what to – no, we're going to help you. Here's how. Yep. Donald Trump, the reason he's president, he stood on uh, the stage in, uh, in Cleveland at the Republican National Convention and just said things, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Now, look, he had no plan to get it done, and he's not going to get it done, but he said he was going to get it right. done. And, well, I, and I think they're like, look, Democrats have a plan, and if they can get that messaging down, game right. over. Right. Well, Hakeem Jeffries, my wonderful friend, always says, you know, Democrats, I mean, Republicans speak in headlines, Democrats speak in fine print. Yeah. And it's true. You know, we have, yeah. 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 you know, very, we have great fine print. We know how to govern. We have great policy, but we also have to speak in headlines in order to, Effectively you know, communicate. I, I remember uh, when uh, Jerry Brown first ran for governor of, of California, and uh, uh, he, he would go out and he said, you know, I, I got three things, right? Every speech was yeah. uh, three things. When George W. Bush ran for president, I remember he had like four things, right. and he repeated them repeated over and over. And, and everybody knew what he did. And you're right, with Donald Trump, it was full of crap, but he said, you know, build a wall, right. da, 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 boom, 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 whatever the four, right. three or four were, Right. Uh, so this is uh, this this is a strong agenda. I got to ask you, a single payer is single payer part of the? Well, this again, you know, it was interesting. There are people who raise a number of different issues that uh, were not part of kind of the economic agenda. This doesn't yeah. re- represent our all of our healthcare policy, all of our education policy, yeah. all of our criminal justice policy. Uh, we, you know, our caucus really charges with you know what they heard from their constituents is we want to see the agenda from Democrats that relates to economic growth. You know, how are you going to improve the economy, improve our lives, deal with economic issues? Over the course of months, we're going to add to it and have lots of other issues. But this focuses very much on kind of strict economics. All right. Well, you're right out in the front lines there, Congressman. Good work. And Thank thanks you. so much for uh, taking the time to stop by to see us before thanks you head into me. the uh, House this morning. Congressman David Cicilline and Congressman Raul Ruiz from California joining us next year on The Bill Press Show. This is The Bill Press Show.
Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for The Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yes, this is American Heroes Week, says the White House. And Donald Trump says, all right, let's celebrate American heroes by firing 7,000 of them, or maybe more, from the United States military just because they happen to be transgender. That's the latest from the White House. Hello, everybody. Um, Sad, sad, sad day for America. It is the Bill Press Show here on this Thursday, July 27th. Bringing you the news of the day, the good and the bad from Washington, D.C., from around the country, around the globe. And, of course, looking forward to hearing from you about what it all means to you. Uh, Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. Uh, The number one story, President Obama's tweet yesterday saying transgender men and women, Americans who are now proudly serving in the military, are no longer welcome in the military. Uh, He has no plan yet for what has to happen to them. He just announced that tweet yesterday. The Senate Republicans still can't agree on which direction they're going on health care, whether they're going to deprive 16 million or 23 million or 32 million Americans of the health insurance that they now have. And President Trump continues to um, bully and pile down on Attorney General Jeff Sessions. To help us through all the big news of the day, our good friend from uh, California's 36th Congressional District, Congressman Raul Ruiz. Congressman, welcome back. Thank you. Dr. Ruiz, huh? Welcome yep. back. Thank uh, you. Right in the middle of the health care thing. We'll get right into it and, of course, get your comments. But first, this is the, the full court press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of the stories making news. The best part of the election on Saturday Night Live was not Alec Baldwin playing Donald Trump. It was Larry David playing Bernie Sanders. Uh-uh. Yes. How did he do such a good Bernie Sanders impression? Well, apparently, they're related. The PBS program, Finding Your Roots, took a look at Larry David, because he's got the new season of Curb Your Enthusiasm coming out in October. Turns out that they are distant relatives. They have really? genealogical ties. He didn't get into exactly how much you're going to have to watch the show, but he actually spoke about this. He was on a panel for Curb Your Enthusiasm at the Television Critics Association. Uh, I was uh, very happy about that. I thought there must have been some connection, you know. He was that good. He just figured <laughs> there was some sort of a connection. So it was more than just uh, brothers in spirit. They, uh, they I are certainly, related. He nailed it. Yeah, he absolutely nailed it. He absolutely nailed it. Uh, This is a bummer. Republican lawmakers have blocked a vote on a bill that would have allowed veteran affairs doctors to recommend medical marijuana as a pain treatment in states where the drug is legal. This is for veterans who are looking to get some assistance. And uh, we know that marijuana, medical marijuana, is legal in a couple of states. And so... Well, in 
something like 30 states. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so Veterans Affairs doctors were saying that we would like to be able to prescribe this to some of these soldiers because it's an effective pain treatment. Republicans blocked the vote on that. The House Rules Committee stopped the proposed Veterans Equal Access Amendment from moving into debate. Not even going to have a debate on that. Republicans uh, blocked a bill? No. Republicans blocked a bill. Not going to happen, which I think is, uh, to quote Donald Trump, sad. And one final story. Amazon says that next week they are going to have a job fair across 12 different states. They said that they plan to hire 50,000 people Whoa. in one week. Is this for Whole Foods? This is for Amazon. Oh, you might, yeah, it might be for the whole thing. Uh, almost 40,000 of the jobs are going to be full-time, and the rest of them will be part-time jobs that come with health insurance, retirement uh, plans, and stock options. Wages vary from location to location, and many jobs are in the packing and sorting, so warehouse work. Sounds like, yeah. Which but. a lot of people, a lot of writing and a lot of reporting was done on, on how not great that is, the packing jobs that Amazon has and the products that they there's also there. been a lot of reporting on how much of that is automated, yeah. how much automation takes place in these warehouses. Where, uh, so I'm, I'm amazed that they're going. <laughs> it's good Back news. Back the future. Good news. They're hiring actual human beings rather than machines. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Peter. With Congressman Ruiz, right back. your radio on tv and online this is the bill press show on a thursday july 27 uh, yes uh, you are wearing the uniform you are on the front lines in iraq or afghanistan you happen to be transgender donald trump is saying oh, get the hell out of there come on home we don't want you that's the message from the white house yesterday hello everybody a uh, message condemned by Republicans and Democrats alike. It is the Bill Press Show on this Thursday, July 27. Great to see you today. Uh, in every corner of this great country, we are there with you with the news of the day. I'm looking forward to hearing your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. Don't let Donald Trump be the only one who tweets this early in the day. want to hear from you as well. And we're joining you on YouTube, youtube.com slash Show. On Free Speech TV, of course, and nationwide, and of course, out in the Chicago area on WCPT in Chicago. A lot of reaction yesterday uh, from Congress, on members of Congress, to the, on the president's transgender, new transgender policy, and on the Republicans' um, almost embarrassing efforts to get something, anything passed uh, out of the Senate on health care. Nobody more in the middle of those issues than our good friend from California's 36th Congressional District, Congressman Raul Ruiz, who happens also to be an emergency room physician uh, from California. Hey, Congressman. Always good to see you. Good morning. Thanks for coming in. Um, what was your reaction when you hear Donald Trump tell uh, transgender men and women, we don't want you, get out of here? It was absurd. Uh, it's uh, clearly an act of discrimination. It is clearly something that we should all stand up against. Uh, and it's just, once again, fear-mongering uh, and uh, really trying to create further divisions based on uh, a clear misunderstanding and a clear uh, uh, fear of the other that uh, he's trying to create in this country. And so anybody who has ever 
experience discrimination of some form or another, whether it's because you're the poor kid uh, in uh, rural America who went to the city and they were, you were treated like you know you were second class uh, or because the color of your skin or the accent of your of your language should be outraged that another person, another community is being uh, treated the same way that they have been treated. And some of the arguments, we talked about this a little earlier, right? So Donald Trump says this would be that having transgenders in the military would be too disruptive, right, for other soldiers. This is the same argument that was used against African Americans, against women. Women. (laughs) Yeah, against everybody else. (laughs) And then at the end of the day, you know, uh, uh, recent history tells us that we all appreciate and understand and realize that women and African Americans and the LGBT uh, community uh, are, have all sacrificed their blood with nobility, with dignity, with respect, and they have all fought fiercely in the battlefield to protect our freedoms. And so if a gen- transgender individual wants to go out there because they believe in our nation, they love our nation, they want to fight to protect our freedoms and and because they believe in the cause of equality and that as Americans we respect each other and our dignity that they will leave sacrifice their life for those ideals then I'm proud of them for and doing that. Yeah, we ought to be grateful to them and thank them not not show them the door. We were asking we for your comments uh, about this at BP show <laughs> at BP show specifically comments towards members of the military who might be serving that were transgender. We got a couple of Good ones here and worth reading. Uh, Mickey says, I was physically unable to serve. I think of it as you serving for me. You represent me and you represent all Americans. Be proud. I think that's very, very nice sentiment to put out there. Terrence asks or says, it's ironic that terrorists don't ask who's transgendered when they want to kill us. Mm. And Claudette says, those who serve our country are great Americans. Those who avoid service are yellow-bellied cowards. Listening, Trump, because we know Trump also uh, <laughs> four, four, avoided five, four or Dodge five service. deferments. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, if you have a comment, find us on Twitter at BP Show. Um, one other voice that uh, we heard yesterday: your former colleague from the House, and now uh, Senator from Illinois, Tammy Duckworth, who who can speak to this issue with more Absolutely. credibility and knowledge and experience than anyone else can. Absolutely. Um, she she spoke very strongly about this uh, yesterday in terms of these patriotic individuals and what, they're, uh, what service they're providing to the country. Here she is. At a time when less than one half of 1% of our nation serves in uniform, we can't afford to lose a single patriot who's willing to wear that uniform. And, and to have a president who never served but instead got, what, four or five deferments to avoid service in Vietnam, be a guy to question someone else's patriotism because of their gender identity is sickening. Yeah. She said uh, when her helicopter crashed uh, and some of her colleagues uh, you know, rushed to help her, she didn't stop and say, wait a minute. Exactly. <laughs> None of you guys are trans. Exactly. Oh, exactly. It is, it, you know, I'm, I, uh, when you're out in a situation like that, that's the last thing you're thinking about, I'm sure. Yeah. So, uh, Congressman, on the health care front uh, in the Senate, they, okay, they, with the help of Mike Pence, they got, they opened the debate, uh, and then they've been floundering ever since, right? So the first bill comes up, repeal and replace loses. Second bill yesterday to repeal only loses. 
Uh, what's going to happen over there? What do you read it, and what's the impact? Well, the latest news is that they're they're going to play hot potato and try to send them the most basic common denominator that they think they can all agree on, which is to uh, defund or uh, to repeal the individual mandate, the employer mandate, and and a medical device tax. Uh, so they got to make sure they got they got uh, that in there, right? Yeah, right. So, so 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 in every Republican bill, there has to be a tax break for some industry right yeah so so they um uh and they want to do that in order to get it out of their their senate uh to take it back to the house to put the hot potato back to the house and and you know you have some conservative house members saying no we don't want that bill (laughs) you know this is not the way to do it uh because the american people are watching you have the vast majority of the american only 12 percent of americans have been agreeing with any of the versions of trump care or the latest version of trump care that's insane uh, and uh, and uh, we know that uh, this skinny bill uh, is going is not going to pass muster at, in the House, so they're going to have to go to conference. And this is just another way for really them to buy time to now take all Republicans from the House and the Senate behind closed doors mm-hmm. and start negotiating. Where all along, since day one, uh, Democrats have said, you know, let's work together, but we do have a condition. One is do no harm. You know, as as our as our values is, you know, as Democrats is we want to improve health care access yeah, to right, individuals, not, not to <laughs> take away health protections to the to the individuals. And so we do have a better way, a better deal, whatever they want to call the 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 better idea. Um, but ultimately, you know, what's really the Democratic uh, message out there? It's about the people, stupid. <laughs> that's what it is. That's it's about good. the yeah. people, stupid. That's our. That's our. That's our. <laughs> that's that's what we're about. We're about the people. We're about the working class. We're about the middle class. We're about those that are striving to be in the middle class. We're about making sure that we understand the the necessity of when you're sick, you you should be treated. When you're injured, you sh- your bones should be mended. If we have the capacity, we're going to do it. We're going to lead in creating opportunities and the empowerment and achieving the American dream, which I still believe in, uh, through a, a stellar education. We're going to make sure that uh, you're treated equally with respect and dignity so that the system of our economy is not rigged for that 1% so that individuals who, who uh, dodge the... Uh, the uh, the draft uh, and uh, and inherit you know millions uh, yeah. aren't necessarily the ones to born on third base right yeah, yeah. born on, <laughs> born on third base aren't necessarily the ones to dictate those who have worked their butts off uh, to to have a decent life. Uh, who have overcome challenges like they have never imagined in order to uh, to just give their children that better life. Uh, and, and as you know, Bill, I know that because I have lived that. Yeah, uh, I, have, I've, I have felt the calloused hands of my father uh, every time he came home and I, and I gave him a hug. I have seen the worry on my mother's face, not knowing whether you know, we're going to have a, a meal or whether we're going to be able to, to have the, a decent set of clothes to, to go to school. I have, I have been there at that, those thrift shops buying whatever I could in order just to have something on my shoulders. I have seen people suffer because they don't have enough money to pay for their medicine and therefore they endure the pain because they they're afraid of of going into financial ruin in the emergency department so it's about the people stupid
But, you know, I love that. I love that. That's such a phrase that every Democrat ought to be using because it is. I mean, and, and certainly the Trump agenda is not about about the people at all. And I was just thinking while you were talking, there is nobody around Donald Trump, and certainly not Donald Trump himself, who has any idea of what it's like, the life of an average American worker, working family. Uh, with with the with yeah. the struggles and the and the concerns and the fear yeah. that they're, you express, which is so real for millions and millions and millions, for the ninety nine percent. And look, just the latest Donald Trump uh, himself is born on third base, right? But and so he brings in the latest person, Scaramucci. He's another Wall Street tycoon, hedge fund manager, right? Yeah. And he's got Mnuchin. I mean, it's, it's a Betsy DeVos. I saw her yesterday. At, at the White House. It's yeah. a cabinet of billionaires. Yeah. Never had to worry about where the next paycheck is coming from or where their next meal is going from or money to pay for to get yeah. uh, school school clothes for the kids. And that's why we do need better jobs. We do need better wages. We do need a better future for the people because they, right now there is anxiety. Uh, there is so much anxiety out there. Fifty percent of the American uh, population can't even find five hundred dollars if they were faced with a bill. Eighty percent can't even mm-hmm. find a thousand dollars, or even have a, or even have a friend that they can borrow a thousand dollars from if they if they have a one thousand dollar bill, unexpected bill. This is real. People are living paycheck to paycheck. They're they're working more. They're getting uh, less benefits. Their purchasing power is down, so they're buying less with what they have. They're barely making ends meet. They're dying for some break so that they can go hunting or fishing or whatever their their uh, their their hobbies are uh, and uh, and what uh, uh, this administration is doing is they're giving more tax breaks to the wealthy they're giving them tax havens they're looking out and creating a health care system that says that if you are wealthy enough if you are privileged enough then you are able to get the best health care in the world but if you cannot afford that market price because of their ideas of a free market then sorry you just can't afford it because health care is a commodity and as Democrats it's about the people stupid it's about it's about Making sure that we believe that that healthcare is a human right. That every human who, no matter where you're from, if you are injured, you should get care. If you are sick, you should be treatment. And if we know that we can treat that person, we withhold that treatment. Then it is a moral outrage. And that's why right now, in the middle of this healthcare debate, what everybody is not paying attention to is that uh, health insurance companies, at, as we speak, are figuring out what premium price they're going to set and whether or not they're going to stay in the insurance right now and they're looking at this fiasco they're they're being threatened by the trump administration by congress saying we're not going to pay this cost sharing reductions and therefore they are saying just yesterday anthem is saying that they're going to pull out from more markets markets and the driving force is the fact that they have no certainty as to whether or not uh, President Trump or the Congress is going to fund these cost-sharing reductions, which are subsidies yeah. that help middle-class families right. pay for co-pays and deductibles. And that's why my bill is the medicine that we need right now. It's the intervention. It's the trauma bay. It's the intubation, the resuscitation that we <laughs> yeah. need in order to permanently fund cost-sharing reductions. So what would your bill do? My, it- my bill is the Marketplace Certainty Act. And it will permanently fund cost-sharing reduction subsidies and increase eligibility to 400% federal poverty level. That means— Which is a really key element of Obamacare, right? Which triggers these subsidies. It helps helps stabilize the market. Uh, This is the plan. 
Uh, Bill, it's not difficult if Republicans can please step off of the ledge from that bridge, come down, let's talk together, let's ration through this, let's look at what we need to do immediately. It's very simple. One is do no harm. Two is stabilize the market. And three is treat the patient. Mm -hmm. It's simple. One, do no harm. Don't use money that is intended for enrollment and outreach to get the young and healthy to enroll so that premiums can come down so that we can have a healthier um, America to then use that money to pay for advertisement against the Affordable Care Act. Yeah. Don't cheat the American people by by uh, uh, um, uh, truncating uh, and shortening the enrollment period and and. Uh, hurting the exchanges and stop threatening not to pay the cost sharing reductions because all those things are increasing the premiums. Do no harm. The second thing is stabilize the market. My Marketplace Certainty Act will stabilize the market, will help keep insurances in the exchanges and keep uh, premiums uh, lower than what they're projecting if we don't fund these CSRs. And the third Just thing. Just on that second point. Yeah. You cannot blame, in a sense, the insurance companies for considering pulling out of some of these markets when there is so much uncertainty. When all they hear from the Republicans and from Trump is, we're going to do away with this. There won't be any Obamacare. Obamacare is on death spiral, on and on and on. And some of the governors joining in on that, some of the insurance companies are saying, what the hell? Exactly. Right? They're going to they're, they're not going to want to take risks. So they're going to yeah. they're no, going to protect I, their their risks. But but uh, the third point is very important. That's treat the patient, because at the same time, there is a very strong sense of disappointment that the insurance companies, which, by the way, are not are not going bankrupt here. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. They are they are protecting their their profits uh, by pulling out of the exchanges. And quite honestly, uh, you know, they're abandoning those counties. And therefore, what we need to do in those counties that have no no health insurance company that is in the exchanges, that we need to provide them an opportunity to get the care, treat the patient. How do you do that? Well, a public plan option? Or? Oh, absolutely. I would love yeah. a public option. But there's other uh, um, ideas out there, too. One is let them enroll in the D.C. exchange where members of Congress are uh, enrolled in. Mm. Uh, mm -hmm. We are also on the Affordable Care Act. Uh, and we purchase our insurance through the exchange so the and, and the exchange. DC exchange. So one is is hmm. to allow them to purchase their yeah. their insurance where members of Congress purchase theirs. Two is Medicare or a public option like Medicaid or some other option. Um, and that's and we have to start thinking about that because again, it's about the people. Stupid, they're sick. They need care. They need insurance. Let's let's stop the political partisan bickering and let's take care of people. Yeah. Now, um, do you have, um, you know that at one time, uh, 20 years ago, I was uh, Democratic state chair of California, and uh, I spent a lot of time recruiting candidates to run for Congress and helping candidates get elected to Congress. One of my favorite uh, uh, campaigns was Loretta Sanchez down in Orange County. Uh, I guess B1 Bob Dornan there, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, you came along after I was state chair congressman, but I, I, I noticed uh, uh, an article this morning that Republicans have identified four Democratic incumbents in California as targets yes. for next year. And one, one of, of them is you sitting Absolutely. right across from me here. I mean, uh, wh what what's it like to be to know that they've they put this these crosshairs on your 
on your back and they're coming after you. It's nothing new. They've been after me uh, even before I got sworn in for the very first time. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're uh, you know, they spend money before I even have challengers uh, to help entice an opponent or to, you know, or to just to, to stretch the truth and, and uh, distort my record, which is absolutely, uh, their, their claims are absolutely false. Uh, so listen. So they went after you the last time. Yes, uh, yeah. the, and the time before, etc. And we keep winning by larger margins. We keep winning by larger margins every single Maybe time. Maybe they'd get the message. Yeah, but you know, here's here's, I know how to win in tough districts, Bill, because and this the recipe to win back the house is very simple. Is there's two things that we have to be focused on. One is. You got to protect your vulnerable Democratic members, your frontline members. You got to protect them. You can't mm -hmm. add by subtracting. You got to yeah. protect your frontline members. And two, you have to win in red to blue districts. In those vulnerable Republican districts, that's where we have to focus on. Mm -hmm. We do. We have to spend all of our energy to really work in those districts and making sure that those districts uh, understand that we're about the people and uh, and we have to organize on the ground and we and we have to really relate locally to what their needs are uh, and uh, and really focus and understand and recognize that they are struggling and we have to we have to tap into that because and we have to feel it man that's 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 the thing you have to feel it you have to you, you have to really build that and uh, there are enough connection. of those districts right that if democrats were to do well in those districts where democrats could take back control of the house yes even before reapportionment in 2020 yes right uh is 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 that happening is the democratic party doing that do you see the DNC, have they made this a priority, or the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee? Yes. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. I, I think, hope so. Yes, I, mean, I, 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 I do. I think, I, you know, they're, they're making it a priority. There's a lot of opportunity out there. I think one of the things that we have to understand as, uh, is that we have to have clarity in focus and in our mission. And if we start to uh, come at each other, uh, for uh, whatever ideological battles that we want to have within ourselves, then we're going to spend more time uh, trying to defend safe seats uh, yeah. instead of going after the red to blue seats where you have moderate Republicans uh, that we can win to, uh, to win back the House. You know, Congressman, I gotta. Um, I just want to mention this is unrelated to anything that uh, you may be working on and we're talking about, but so... Um, just as a, overall, I think, as a sign of how clueless this Trump White House is and Donald Trump himself. So I was at the briefing yesterday, and the very first thing at the briefing was Sarah Sanders walks out with the Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos, uh, who is the arch enemy of public schools, right? Spent her entire career supporting charter schools against public schools, the whole thing. So Sarah Sanders announces that, you know, we've said that uh, the president is not taking a salary, and each quarter he gives his salary to somebody else. So last quarter it was to some Civil War battlefield to re restore it. This, this quarter he's decided his second quarter salary is going to go to the Department of Education. So Secretary of, of Education, I proudly present you a check for $100,000 to the Department of Education from Donald Trump. Now, I guess she wanted us all to applaud. Somebody pointed out 
So he's giving them $100,000. He cut $9.2 billion from the Department of Education in this year's budget. What is he? How dumb does he think we are, right? Yeah, and and also. He thinks we're pretty dumb. And and also, let's not forget that he charges the Secret Service rent, astronomical rent. In. In Trump Towers and, and all of his. Yeah. And all of his facilities. So how much is his family making by charging the federal government to protect him? Now, the president needs protection. The president needs the Secret Service. There's no doubt about it. And his family needs protection and needs Secret Service. But no president has ever profited by charging the Secret Service to protect them. And uh, and so we should see how much have they profited uh, in, in comparison to what this, you know, public uh, relations uh, stunt is to hand the check of 400000 over to, to the Department of yeah, uh, Education. Yeah, 100, 100. Yeah. So j- just figure out. So I'm going to cut $10 billion, but I'll give you a dime, right? You know, or <laughs> right, something like right. that, right? Uh, gee, how generous I am. I want everybody to, uh, to apply. By the way, Congressman Don Beyer, one of your colleagues, was here yesterday. Yeah. And Don has introduced legislation that would prevent uh, uh, any federal employees in their travel or federal agencies from having events or staying in Trump properties around the world, which is another thing because like the State Department recently, they had a great big thing at the Trump Tower, I think it was in Las Vegas, right? And just putting money in Donald Trump's pocket. I think that's a great idea and uh, my ethics package, and I think we talked about this uh, one of the first times I was here, uh, would not allow any um, federal tax dollar monies to go towards uh, any members of Congress's uh, or senators or administrations' businesses, so that they aren't making a profit out of the people's hard work. Right, and that was the same thing. So, in other words, uh, you know, they, you know, the 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 um, administration can't start using Trump stakes. Uh, or exactly. staying at, or paying, you know, the enormous right. amount of fees at Trump Towers to hold their government functions, which ultimately go in line the pockets of uh, the politicians. As as Don said yesterday, what what would the reaction be if he introduced legislation that from now on everybody's got it? The government has to buy Volvo cars and they have to buy them from my dealership, <laughs> right? That's exactly what Donald Trump yeah. is doing, right? Yep. Stay in my hotels, right? Yeah. Yeah, we'll have our meetings in my hotels and we get to pick up a little money. I can't yeah. wait till we do infrastructure bill. I can't wait till there's something that maybe I that I can say, listen, I agree with that. Let's get this done for the American people. I can't wait till, you know, we can like see through this cloud of of um of scandals. Uh, let the FBI do their job so that we can do ours and let's get down to business and let's create an infrastructure package that will uh, give people better wages, better jobs and, and help our economy. I, I can't wait. I'm, no. I'm craving for the opportunity to uh, to, uh, to work together on, an, on something for the American people. That's where he should have started, in my opinion. And certainly I hope that someday we get there. Um, but, you know, Congressman, Particularly after this tweet yesterday on transgender, I'm not sure we'll ever get there because he goes off on so many of these other tangents. And uh, uh, I don't know, keeps you uh, keeps you pretty busy and keeps you up on top of this, and you're on the front lines on so many issues. Uh, we appreciate your leadership and uh, especially your time stopping by this morning. Thank you. All right, so uh, 
we're on your side when they're coming <laughs> after you out there in California, Congressman. We'll be right with you. Jen Bendry from the Huffington Post covering the Hill. Uh, she joins us next here on the Bill Press Show. My name is Dylan Harbin, but everybody calls me Pickle. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. All right, on a Thursday, July 27, the Bill Press Show from our nation's capital. We are reaching out to you everywhere in this great land of ours. From our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., where we're brought to you today by Amalgamated Bank. Yes, indeed, uh, as a proud progressive, uh, you may not, uh, you know, be happy about doing business with any bank at all. Well, here's one you can be proud of doing business with. For almost a century now, Amalgamated Bank's been the leading bank of choice for progressive organizations and individuals. A lot of our labor unions have sponsored the show, um, Bank at Amalgamated Bank. You can, too, go to amalgamatedbank.com. You can bank there anywhere in the country, by uh, by online, of course, and uh, be a proud progressive at the same time. These are wild days in the United States Senate, uh, not only for members of the also for the um, members of the media who try to keep up with these senators and the protesters who have been filling the halls of the Capitol as well. Uh, Jen Bendry, one of those brave souls there every day for Huffington Post, joining us in studio. Hello, Jen. How are you? I'm good. So the other day you were uh, told to shut your cameras down, right? Or your phones down. Couldn't take any pictures of these protesters? Yeah, I was I was in a little group of, of reporters who were being held back by police and we were told we couldn't not only could we not take photos, but we couldn't we had to delete the photos that we had taken, <laughs> which the, the latter part was the more bizarre demand on us because I, I actually didn't realize we were standing in a particular part of the Capitol building where you're not allowed to take pictures. And I, I actually in that group was not taking pictures. I was mm-hmm. just trying to see the protesters yeah. and get a look at yeah. them. But there were some police there, Capitol Police, and then there was this one woman who was just on fire about people trying to get close to the protesters. And she was shouting over and over, no pictures allowed, no pictures allowed, delete your photos, delete your photos. And was I was she? like, what? Where was she from? Capitol so, Police? or No, she wasn't in uniform. I think she might have been like a Senate, um, like a Senate sort of security type person. I, I think I've seen her manning one of the elevators where they they help escort senators get on and off elevators. So I'm not positive on that, but I recognized her face. But it was the whole delete your photos thing that was really weird. And I think illegal. Like, I don't think, or at least unethical, I don't think you're allowed to tell anybody to to delete photos. It it was two or three weeks ago that, and I think we talked about this, where um, they said, um, you guys, you're not allowed to uh, talk to these senators, you know, uh, you just roam around. You got to be, we're going to corral you like over here, like in a pen like Donald Trump did during the campaign. And yeah. that didn't last long. Right? That didn't last long either. Um, it's It's been tense in there. I, I mean, aside from the whole uh, <laughs> delete your photos screaming from the woman in the Senate, yeah. um, there was another moment in the Senate that day where more protesters were shouting on the Senate floor. And so, again, I went, I got it for my seat, and I went over to where I thought I could find them. Mm-hmm. 
And I saw them down at the end of one hall and I started to walk toward them and a, a Capitol Police officer got in my way and said, you can't go down there. And I said, well, why not? And she said, because it's closed. And this was a public open hallway that people, reporters, every day walk up and down freely. Yeah. We have credentials to be in the building. Mm-hmm. It's a public hall. It's a U.S. Capitol building. So I said, what do you mean the, the, the hallway's closed? And you can see down the hall, there's like a mob of protesters getting arrested. So I wanted to go get a look at them. And she's like, you're not allowed down there. And I said, well, why not? And she said, you're not allowed down there. And I said, well, why not? And we went like that, you know, yeah. back and forth. And she was getting increasingly mad at me. And then that made me increasingly annoyed because there was no justification. And meanwhile, the protesters and you are have getting- your credential, I'm right? credentialed to be there. And all, yeah. I mean, as a reporter, I wanted to go and get a look at the people yeah. being arrested for protesting the, the Obamacare repeal bill. I mean, I want to see who these people are. And uh, in the end, she wouldn't let me go down the hall uh, and then she actually got in my face and body checked me. Whoa! She physically t- like pushed me back, which was completely unnecessary and really surprising. Uh, and I, I think I said, you know, whoa, 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 you know, back off. And then I like yeah. I walked away. But could that you, was completely you... unnecessary. I mean, and and I and she was wrong. I mean, she just made it up that you know I, I couldn't go take a look at these people and. That's too bad because I want to see, and I'd like to, if I can't take a picture, fine. I can describe the people who are, you know, have medical issues, who are in the Capitol, terrified of losing their health care, who came all the way up there to to try to, you know, raise awareness of what how this is going to hurt them. One of the things that surprised me, because I, I don't hang out at the Capitol the way you do, but I've been there many, many times. And the security there, particularly, I mean, it's just nonsense. It's like a police state, I believe. But... Um, uh, knowing how tight it is, I was surprised that so many protesters were able to get into the Hart office building, for sure, and uh, maybe some of the others, too, and the United States Capitol itself, and and even in the Senate gallery. Yesterday. Well, it's, it's you know, these are public buildings. If you walk through the front door of the building and but, you don't have signs hanging all over you, or even if you did, I mean, you, they have to let you in, and for the... If what the people who got into the Senate chamber itself, I mean, they, I presume they were people who were just you know regular looking people, tourists, you know, but, wanting to see the some Senate. Of them had white lab coats. <clears throat> well, it's possible they had them in a bag when they went in there. Yeah. I mean, and uh, and even right. if they didn't, they, I think you can't not let people in. It's the timing. They came there to come see the Senate deliberate. They walk through the metal detectors. They don't have any mm-hmm. weapons. Why? Yeah. What justification would there be for not letting them no, watch? I'm the not Senate? saying they should not have been allowed in. I was just uh, surprised that they even that they weren't maybe tougher than I thought that I thought they were going to be. But there are people who talk about the whole state-run media and the way that you know the Trump oh. administration is using its power to silence the media. And and there are a lot of people who say like, oh come on, we're not going to get as bad as North Korea or anything like that. But like this is really bad and this is fundamentally what we are as a nation right like to have that type of access to our elected officials they, they really are trying to limit it and that they've only he's only been president for six months seven months i mean i'm not try, i'm not trying to like go super hyperbolic here and say that we're gonna have but i think you just compared us to north korea <laughs> i said we're going that direction i think we're going that direction I mean, if trump had his way if trump had his way and he could get away with it he would absolutely in the defense have. of the the capitol police they're not acting on Trump's behest, and uh, and we are not allowed to take photos on the third floor, mm. which I didn't know, and I've worked there for years, so that was news to me. Uh, 
and 95% of the time they're great. Mm. And and it's it was literally like a handful, like one woman in my case who was kind of, you know, went off the deep end with me, but yeah. yeah. And it, it is lame that they've tried to block the press from getting near the politicians recently, and I don't know why yeah. they did that. No. But but they've but, made some missteps, but I all in all I think they've been they've been good. But yeah, and I think your point too is this is the Capitol Police. This is not Donald Trump. No, this, this is totally separate. And and to be fair to them but, too, it's gotten so crazy in the Capitol lately. There's been so many new reporters who I've never seen before. It's like increased fivefold in the number of people in there. <laughs> that there's people who are yeah. going to get trampled trying to, you know, yeah. follow a senator. I mean, a senator could trip. Yeah. What if? Imagine if it, a senator tripped and fell because it's of a reporter. Happen. I mean, that would. No. That's going to happen. Yeah. So yeah. you got to be. You got to balance a little bit of safety here. Well, that a similar parallel situation. Uh, of course, is occurring occurs at the White House uh, every day with the number of reporters vastly, vastly increased at the briefings and everything and uh, crackdowns as well. I want to get to that. <laughs> I want to get to that, too. But first, while we're in the Senate, so you talk to these Republican senators. Some of them have to be, they can't all be happy with, with the way this is playing out this week, where it looks like you know, by hook and by crook, they finally get Mike Pence to, uh, with his help, are able to open debate. And then they don't know what they're voting on. They can't get votes for anything. How long is this going to drag on? Where are we going? Uh, well, I think tonight is going to be a very late night. And I think... They're going to try another plan again yet today, So right? everything that's happened in the last two days is actually what they plan to have. They, McConnell's plan. They, they oh. plan to bring up an Obamacare repeal bill that would um, replace Obamacare with basically a crappy yeah. you know version that knocks off 22 million people that failed and they knew it would fail yeah. and then yesterday they brought up bill number 2 which was just repeal Re- it repeal and only. deal yeah. with a replacement some other day mm-hmm. that failed and they knew that would fail too so these are a lot of what we're seeing now is just a, a, a way for republicans to get on record voting to repeal obamacare that's this is okay. show right now yeah. this is right. preserving your your ass and your 2018 Okay. Re-election campaign. Right. But so, now we're starting to get to the real deal, which is the final bill, which is being referred to as the skinny repeal. That's what it, that that's what matters. Are they going to vote on that today? Uh, I if they do, it'll be really late, I yeah. think, because because the way they've set up this process under budget reconciliation, it allows for unlimited amendments mm. by anybody. Mm. So you've got Democrats now with piles of amendments, many of which are just for making a point. They're not going to get adopted. Right. right. But they're like, you know, I could have an amendment if I'm a Democratic senator that says um, my amendment would require every senator here to go without health care for the same number of years as the number of people in their state who would lose health insurance under Obamacare repeal, like some crazy point, right, that you're trying to make. And they would have to vote on it. So imagine like 100 senators many of whom are not happy with this, just wanting to like get a vote on record on some issue. That's what we're going to see tonight for hours and hours and hours, mm-hmm. <laughs> countless amendments. And then after all that is when the skinny repeal comes up. That's the bill that could potentially pass. All that is is a bill to repeal the individual mandate and the employer mandate and a medical device tax. If that were to pass, it's not good either. But that's if something's going to pass, that's what McConnell is putting all of his eggs in that basket is this bill. And at the moment, I don't personally, I don't see how they have the votes to pass that because you get one faction who likes a bill and another faction doesn't like it. So put it together and they don't have enough in total. And that just keeps happening. 
Well, and we know from the um, from the math, which we've been over and over again, right? They got a total of fifty-two. They can only lose two, right? Um, and have how many have any senators come out and said we will not vote for Skinny? Well, people have certainly have suggested to, it. But you have to assume that Susan Collins is not going to vote for and it. And at the same time. Nobody really knows what is in the skinny bill. Yeah. I mean, what I just described yeah. Yeah. is like, supposedly noticed, what's in it, yeah. but it, that's not clear. I mean, because that's a huge Nobody piece seen of this. It. Nobody knows. It hasn't what the been final scored, bill is. right? So it it hasn't been scored by Republicans, but last night Democrats announced that they scored it with CBO, um, and it would the skinny repeal again. This 16. is like the end mm-hmm. game here would knock 16 million people off of health insurance and increase premiums by 20% every year, I think. So every single one of these incarnations of an Obamacare repeal bill that's come up is like are objectively terrible. So how they need right. to get 50 votes. And I at, the, at this moment, I don't see it. And there's a lot of anger among Republicans, even though this is their moment. They don't like this process. They don't like not knowing what they're voting on. Uh, I would, yeah. I wouldn't like it. I, I would hope so. I'd hope they'd have enough self worth, right, to to not want to be. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Sorry. That's cute. Uh, <laughs> That's not want to be treated this way or humiliated this way publicly. But so uh, you know, if you take Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, the way she's been talking, I mean, she seems more and more like I'm not just going to play this game anymore. Well, but, and if you looked at the news... But then you need one more. Then you need, you know what? You need a man with balls and there aren't any, you know, like a Dean Heller or a Mike Lee or... Well, not. it might not be a man with balls in the end. It might be a, a guy or a girl, a woman who, like, in principle, does not like what the final bill is. Uh, it could be an hope. ultra conservative and be like, this yeah. bill doesn't do enough. And that's yeah. a very real possibility that the skinny repeal, it doesn't touch Medicaid, it doesn't touch other major pieces of health care... Some conservatives don't like that. I'll tell you who will not vote against it. John McCain. Nope. I don't know. I mean, his track record so far is he's been voting for everything. I know. Although he voted against something yesterday. He voted against the straight repeal. The straight repeal. But yeah, he has been contradictory. But he voted for the repeal and replace after announcing in that sanctimonious speech on the floor the day before that I will not vote for the bill in his presence. And he also voted to take up any bills when he, right after he finished screaming about how mad he was that nobody was following regular order, mm-hmm. which if he was consistent, then he would have voted against taking up any bill. So, yes, he has gone back on many of the things he said. Right. Um, we talked about the Senate. Uh, I wanted to talk to you because I missed you yesterday at the White House briefing uh, with Sarah Sanders. Again, this, but the briefings these days have just been a zoo, right? There are five times as many people as there should be in that room. Most of them, I have no idea who they are. I've never seen them before. Who knows, right? Um, But Sarah Sanders decided she was going to start the briefing uh, in a different way yesterday. Uh, She was going to start by... Now, the briefing, right, is for the purpose of the American people to find out through us, right, the White House correspondents, what the the news of the day is and and, and get their answers to some issues about the the issues of the day, the importance of the day. It's a pretty serious, you know, event every day, right? I mean, we take it seriously. They don't take it seriously. Here's what she thinks. She thinks a briefing is a place where it should be basically like a little campaign rally and tell us all how wonderful Donald Trump is. Here's how she started the briefing yesterday. I've spent a lot of time around the president over the last year, and I know exactly why he's here. 
He's tough. He's a fighter. He's a strong leader, and he's somebody who deeply loves this country. And he loves its people, and he wants to make America great again. In Washington, it's often easy to go to work, get lost in the process, and forget why we're here every day. The reason we're here is to serve the American people. I mean, gag me with a spoon. <laughs> I mean, these are the, you know, the, 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 if you will, the, at least some of them, not me, the cream of the crop of the American journalism community, right? The American people watching. And you, you expect something like that if he's at a campaign rally and some dingbat from Peoria is introducing him, right? This is the press secretary at the White House. Well, and yesterday was particularly ridiculous because after she made the statement just saying how wonderful the president is, she then announced that Trump is donating, you know, part of his salary oh. to the education department and had Betsy DeVos standing in there to come up and say a completely empty statement about how wonderful it is. Well, uh, Never well, mind how much Trump's budget. And also Trump's how budget, wonderful Donald Trump is. Right. And how wonderful Trump is. And and he's giving part of his salary to the education department, $100,000. But, you know, you can't forget that Trump's budget would have cut $9 billion out of the education department. So this right. is like a drop in the bucket, you know, yeah. $100,000. $100, so that was bizarre. And that, then and then Sarah Sanders proceeds to read a letter from a little kid about his dog Pickle. And, no, he's Pickle. Oh, he's Pickle. The kid is Pickle. Sorry. His nickname is Pickle. Carbon, so this kid, his name calls is Pickle. Me pickle. pickle. <laughs> everyone calls me Pickle. So Pickle, you know, gets his letter read oh, about how he wants to meet the president. And then Sarah Sanders is saying, you know, um, I know I went, we'll, we'll work on it, pickle. Like, you know, we'll, one oh, no, day if you're in town and by the time all this stuff has, has she oh, no. said, she starts to take questions and then she, people start asking her about Trump's decision to ban transgender troops, which she knew nothing. Of. She, had she knew n- absolutely nothing, nothing about. Nothing. And then she threatened to end, end yeah. the briefing. If people kept asking Here about she it, is. guys, I really don't have anything else to add on that topic. As I do, I'll keep you posted. But if if those are the only questions we have, uh, I'm going to call it a day. But if we have questions on other topics, I'll be happy to take it. Yeah. That was unbelievable. All, no, all of us were just saying, wait a minute, get back here. I mean, you know, and it was embarrassing. I mean, she could not say, for example, uh, she kept saying this is military readiness, military readiness. The generals, as we know, the generals did not ask for this. They were in the process of of coming up with the policies that would allow under President Obama's executive order under that to allow transgenders to serve in every capacity in the military. Uh, he didn't consult the generals there. He said he did, but it was Republicans on the Hill in the House that forced his hand on this. But she had no idea when it would start or what would happen to transgender people who are serving in the military today. I know. I know. It was that was the the White House press briefings are often a circus these days anyway. But yesterday was that was unreal when she she couldn't answer anything about it and then threatened to end the thing anyway. Uh, and especially because the Pentagon was blindsided by Trump doing this. She kept her only reasoning was military readiness, which is, you know, this is a military decision, but the military didn't make this decision. Trump literally made the decision by himself after talking to a House Republican, right. went on Twitter and went way further than what a House Republican had been asking him to do anyway, which was to not support funding uh, certain health care services for transgender troops. But Trump was like, yeah, sure, I'll tweet about it. But he actually went on Twitter and said no more transgender troops at all in the military, which was not even what the House Republicans were trying to get him to help them with. And so complete disaster. And the Pentagon is left holding the bag because they're the ones who are now supposed to implement this. 
Right. Uh, which which raises the question, we, and we discussed this earlier with Congressman David Cicilline, um, uh, whether or not the president can do anything by tweet. I mean, the military does not respond. The wheels don't start rolling with well, it's not, a tweet. Right. It's not like today not because he tweeted yesterday. Order. It's all in effect. But, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of it's paperwork still... that happens and a lot of procedural steps that happen. But I would not be surprised if somehow this just kind of went away because— the military general, I mean, we've been through this debate. We went through this debate like two or three years ago, right? And went all, they had hearings that the military, you know, people agreed that this was, you know, not a threat to red, you know, military readiness to have transgender troops serving openly. The, the costs for transgender related health care are not very high. Uh, we've been through this debate. So the fact that it's now resurfacing is, I, I I, I would be shocked if they figure out a way to roll this out. Someone pointed out the, at the briefing yesterday, eighteen there are 18 countries, including Australia, Israel, the U.K., where transgender serve in the military. The idea that military readiness is an issue is ridiculous. Well, and it's also ridiculous. keep in mind the timing is very weird. I mean, this is the week. This is crunch time on Obamacare repeal. So mm-hmm. I, I'm sure a piece of this on his part, too, was to get attention away from what the real news is, which is this major health care bill being debated that nobody knows what's in it and it could affect one sixth of the economy and no one they're just trying to rush it through. I mean, that that's the real news, not not what Trump is tweeting about. I mean, that it's important what Trump just tweeted. That's a huge policy change. But don't forget that this is happening at a time when they don't want people to see how terrible this is going in the Senate on health care. Um, as um, a proud member of the LGBT community, what does this say about Donald Trump and his promises that he's going to be the best on LGBTQ issues than anybody ever? I mean, what are you hearing from your friends? I mean, did anybody truly believe that he would be the best on no. anything? I mean, he always says he's going to be the best. Right. So why would anyone believe he would be the best on LGBT rights? I'll, I'll say this. I, I did think that Donald Trump comes from a fairly progressive worldview, right? Like, I don't think that he is a Republican. I don't think he's been a Republican his whole life. But a lot of his issues, he's been progressive. Did anybody think he was going to be the best on LGBT rights? No. But I did not think that this was coming. I think this is less about him wanting to go after transgender people and, and more about him just a Republican asked him to help out with something. And he said, sure. And he's willing to throw throw a community under the bus because well, he wants to win on whatever this House Republican is trying to get him to work with him on. Or this and, is another issue that Obama was for. Yeah. And therefore, Trump has to be against it. Yeah, I just but I don't give Trump I don't think there's a lot of thinking about the merits of what he just did. I don't think he weighed like, well, how will this affect the transgender people who are currently serving? And how would I roll this out? No, he's like, oh, you you need me to say something about this transgender health care provision and the defense bill? Because that's where it started. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that what you need me to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, cool. I'll go ahead and tweet about it. That That's it. It, it, yeah. was, it wasn't it, like a well thought out decision. No. Uh, and Politico pointed out, uh, I thought in terms of the backstory yesterday, that one, the right wingers in the House who were pushing him on this, what they wanted was not to pay for any surgeries. That's they right. didn't want and to ban therapy and hormone therapy. They didn't want to ban entirely. Of course, Trump takes it like kind of all, all the way. 
Right. Exactly. Like they asked for like a, a change yeah. in the healthcare coverage and he went ahead and just said no, none of them can serve at all, which is a hundred times more dramatic. Uh, and also, Peter, I, I think you're right that part of it is Obama did this just like Paris, just like the Iran nuclear deal, yeah. just like whatever, right? A lot of other, some of the, 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 uh, the new coal power Fire power plants or the coal-fired power plants, whatever. And if Obama did, it's got to be bad. we got to undo it. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Well, uh, I guess, Jen, you keep up with the madness in the Senate. I'll try to keep up with the madness in the White House briefings. Great to see you. Thanks you so too. much. Of course. Watch yourself down there, and don't take any crap from these uh, <laughs> you know, policemen. I'm all right. Try to push you I'm around. I'm all right. You're all right. I-, I trust you. Count on you. Have a great day, folks. Come back. Peter's got it tomorrow. This and uh, you'll be the here for Bill him. Press show.